sound awake, it's either I sing or you sing, your choice. Some of you got that, and you said, I will Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Start singing promptly. Next week, you'll, you'll all be singing. If it means Pastor Williams won't sing, we will sing. Amen. Good to see you uh, this morning. Amen. We, uh, I'm fired up this morning. I don't know. We had a great men's day. Great weekend. Uh, just been uh, having some really good outreaches. Uh, the other night, we were at uh, Chandler Heights, Chandler Gardens, I believe it's called, and uh, just had an outdoor outreach. Billy set it up. Went very well. Uh, just taking, uh, you know, when you say taking your city for Jesus, it's got to have legs. It's got to mean more than just a phrase, you know, and, and trying to get the disciples a couple, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I pulled the disciples together, some of them, and we talked about, uh, and this is obviously not having to do with the Sunday school, but we talked about, I had got a call from one of the guys that I sent out in North Carolina, he was in the Southeast Conference over there, Dave Suspansky Conference, and he mentioned to me, he called me, and he was calling me to apologize. It was very interesting. He was calling me to apologize. He said, Pastor, I'm sorry, and I, I didn't really know. He said, you know, I've been out a year, year and a half now, got a few people, 15 so people. He said, but for the last six to eight months or so, I've really been going through it in my own life, and I've been feeling like, and he made the statement, he said, I've been feeling like what we do doesn't work. And uh, uh, a lot of pioneers have been in that place. He said, I've been feeling like what we do doesn't work. He said, but I'm sitting in this conference, and all of what I'm hearing, he said, I realize the reality of it is I haven't been doing what I've been taught. And so I'm sitting here trying to tell myself that what we do doesn't work, but I haven't been doing what we do. And so it just kind of prompted me, and so I'd already been praying about uh, you know, uh, our men and just trying to put something in our disciples for when they go out. So I started, uh, we've announced that we started men's outreach uh, maybe uh, three, four weeks ago. And in that outreach, I, I, I told the men, we're going to start, men, we're going to call the man in the mirror. We're going to start holding accountability with ourselves. And I'm going to show you that what we do works. In other words, we're going to have outreaches. And, you know, uh, Friday night, thank God, you know, sometimes when you go you're with your family, you got your wife, you got your little kids, you know, it can get very lackadaisical. Outreach can get very, where you just kind of pass out flyers, you know, do your 45 minute, your hour, and then just roll. And I kind of saw some of that happening, so I said, we're going to send men out in twos. Because I mean, no, if you go with another man, you ain't just going to pass out a flyer. Pride, ego, and the good sense begin to kick in. And, and so sure enough, the first time we went out, we prayed with 14 men, 14 people. Uh, uh, and I think out of those 14, uh, about six of them came to church. We went out the next week, we prayed with eight people, and four of them came to church. Uh, some of those people are in this service right now. 
And so uh, uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, show you that what we do works, and we're going to build kind of a, uh, 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 some people in the business world, they call it an org chart. Sometimes in a family sense, they call it a family tree. But I'm going to show them that the people we reach, as they reach people, this is how you build a church. And we'll begin to see the people that we actually pray with, saved, and, uh, and see the lenient, so to speak. And so I just kind of throw that out there because uh, the mind's an interesting thing that what we do, as a, and, and some people don't even like that term, but I'm telling you, I learned as a disciple, when I went out and passed, I had confidence because what we did here, and I saw it work here, and therefore I knew it would work out there, and it did work. And so I, w- I would challenge you in your own life, if you come to a place, uh, uh, this doesn't work, what we do doesn't work, this has been tried and true for over 40 years, and it is not outdated because it's biblical, and it still works today. And so I just want to lay as a foundation. We've been seeing a lot of fruit. We had this outreach. Uh, uh, we've been seeing uh, uh, fruit. People have made statements to me about this uh, outreach Friday night. There was a great spirit of God there. Uh, some said it felt like the old days. I heard people tell me there was an incredible unity there. Uh, the disciples coming, just a great, great scene. Uh, seven or eight people prayed. Uh, and so I'm very excited about what God's going to do this summer, amen, and you ought to be as well. We are going to move into this Sunday school, and uh, over the past few uh, weeks, uh, Pastor Campbell has been talking about uh, core beliefs, that who we are as a church, as a fellowship, we have distinctives. And uh, again, uh, uh, um, when you talk about core beliefs, it comes from he derived from the t- term core training. Years ago, when I was training, many of you guys know I got saved out of the fitness industry, so to speak, and I was working in the gym, I was training. And this was when this whole uh, statement, core training, had just really become you know, popular. Today, you know, everybody talks about it, but at that time, it was somewhat revolutionary. I remember. Uh, the head trainer at our gym was named Herb, and Herb Duncan, uh, he has a gym even to this day, he was like the first who ever came up, you know, he was talking about this core training. We're all looking, what are you talking about, man, core training? Just lift some weights and, you know, do some running. He said, no, it's all going to be about your core, you know. And we're like, this dude's like one of these fitness guru, like, freaks, you know, like core. But he would start, but what I remember most from that initial stage is he was talking about when you lift weights, if you just lift weights, he said, those aren't normal movements day to day. Nobody, nobody in your life, you just got to, you know, it's not every day you're going to do a power clean. I mean, no power clean, you're not, you know, uh, you, nobody's lifting their refrigerators, <laughs> you know. And so the whole idea of core training was that you're going to do core training because these are going to be everyday movements, that this is going to help you in your everyday life. In other words, he would, I remember he would talk about, you know, the, 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 you know, the housewife who's got that, you know, uh, uh, she's at the grocery store and she's pushing the cart. And then she realizes, oh, what I need is back in the other. And now she's got, she's going, to, but she's got to stop herself and, and adjust and move backwards. And so he would talk about movements like that or, or core training. When you have to get, you know, out of a car every day that you're raising yourself up and so these muscles, these core muscles help you with everyday uh, uh, movements and everyday things you have to do. And I thought about that as we were talking about spiritually core training. Uh, we're talking about things that you can apply to your everyday life. We're talking about things that are uh, uh, relevant 
uh, to your life as a Christian. You know, uh, today there's so much obscure teaching and training. People are spending hours and days and lifetimes talking about scriptures and things in the kingdom that really don't apply to you living for God today. Craig, if I could use him, he was telling me just the other day, he's getting into a debate with his guy, this guy at his job because all he wants to talk to him about is, man, you're a Hebrew. And Craig's like, bro, I ain't going to get into this because at the end of the day, what this got to do with us living for God? Amen. I remember in North Carolina, you know, we had this movement where everybody was a king. Let me hear that. You're, you're, you're a king. You're a priest. You're a king. And, you know, I'm sitting across from this other preacher, and I'm like, Okay, man, whether I'm a king or not, whether I feel like a king or not, my folks ain't really treat me like a king. And so, uh, you know, how does this going to apply to me actually living for God? And so I'm saying that to bring us in the context of core beliefs or things that are going to help you live for God and go the distance daily. Are you with me? And so pastor's been talking recently, uh, last week, he talked about uh, the issue of telling the truth and focusing on the other side of that, lying. And one of the issues as a Christian uh, is being able to tell the truth. And it's not a light thing. Uh, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. He made a statement, uh, uh, the revelation of him leaving. I was talking to a gentleman about this the other day. When he left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and what he's going to do is lead you or guide you into all truth. And so part of having the Holy Spirit inside of you is that he leads you into truth. Because if we be honest, naturally speaking, we're liars. Naturally speaking... We all have a tendency to lie. We're going to talk about some of the things that lead us to lying or ways we find ourselves lying biblically. But the reality of it is, we know the word of God says, uh, uh, you are like your father. And not your, if your father's John Brown. We're not talking about John Brown. The Bible says we're like our father, the devil. Before we're saved, and he has been a liar from the beginning. They did a skit about this last night in the drama. And so the reality of it is, when we get saved, this is all of us. I know some people, I, I, you know, I just, one thing I, I like is people just need to be honest. That's true. But if you were a sinner before you got saved, you were a liar. You put on an image. Sometimes we lie with just our image. We, we, we want people to think that we really are somebody or we really got it on. So, so we think that if we, you know, we dress a certain way or talk a certain way that now well, we're going to be perceived a, same, a certain way. And so I want to uh, uh, begin to move into this and we're going to give out just a few scriptures. Uh, John 8, uh, 31 through 32. John 8, 31 and 32. If somebody grab that for me. I think I see you back there. Isaac. And then, Ike, I also see you. We're going to lay the foundation. Verse 44 of that same uh, chapter. Uh, let me see here. Proverbs 6. George, if you'll take Proverbs 6, 
16 through 19. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, George Sr. Okay, and then let me give out a few more. Psalms 101 and verse 5, John Ware, if you will. Um, uh, 1 Timothy 5 and 13, Jonathan, if you will. Uh, Psalms 55, 21, if you'll grab that for me, um, Billy. Okay, let's, we'll stop there. Is it? Okay. Um, John 30, uh, 8, 31 and 32. Then, then Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall make you free. Okay. As a foundation, the truth is what makes us free. Now, we know this, but uh, this is a powerful statement that we're not just truth for truth's sake, if you will, but the path to freedom, real freedom. Now, I say that because most of the time we lie, we're doing it to get out of something. We think that somehow if I tell this lie that this is going to actually bring the freedom. But Jesus comes in as a contrast to this, and uh, Christianity always obviously flips everything on its head and says, no, if you really want to be free, the path to freedom is honesty. The reason is because there's short-term freedom and long-term freedom. You know, uh, most of the time we lie is because we're looking for an immediate freedom. That has a cost uh, uh, later down the road. Okay, uh, Ike, your scripture, if you will. Ye are of the Father. Ye are of your Father, the devil. And the murder of your Father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the Father of it. Yeah. Okay, and so he lays the foundation for the devil. And, you know, uh, uh, we see the devil, I believe, three times in Scripture speaking um, in the garden, uh, there with Job as he's speaking uh, to God about Job. And then later as he's uh, talking, uh, literally speaking to Jesus and tempting him. And what's very interesting, in all of those places we see him speaking, he's lying. Okay, Uh, he's telling Eve, you know, hey. You know, he's twisting the truth, and we're going to talk, and most of the time how the devil works, and we'll talk about this, is half-truths, okay? It's not a full-blown-out, you know, just a, a total lie, if you will, but it's, it's a half-truth, and the, the, the idea of lying, the spirit of lying is, is deceiving, it's to deceive, and it's deception, and so he lays this out that the devil in Scripture is a liar, then Proverbs 6 and 16 through 19. There are seven things that the Lord hates and cannot tolerate. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent people, a mind that thinks up wicked plans, feet that hurry off to do evil, a witness who tells one lie after another, and someone who stirs up trouble among friends. Okay. So uh, this is a, the li- a sin of lying is warned against here. And, and the word of God, if you really study it out, uh, it doesn't really deal with anything more serious, uh, if you will, than lying. Uh, it's very offensive to God. Uh, why? Why would it be? Why would lying be offensive to God? I mean, 
we kind of touched this, but why, why, why would this be so offensive to God? There's all kind of sin, right? Uh, yes, George. Well, it summed up with Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing more powerful, like you said, and liberating than truth. And, and, and God's kingdom is built around truth because that's where the freedom is. That's, there's only one truth. Everything else is a lie. There's, there's, there's no versions of the truth. It's one truth, and everything else is a lie. And it's just, it's the nature of God. It's part of who Jesus is. Amen. And if he resides in it, it should reside in us. Amen. Yeah, the, George Hidden, the, very, the, the, the reason it's so offensive to God is it because it keeps you from Jesus. It, he says, I'm the truth. And so if you can't embrace truth, you can't embrace Christ. And so part of salvation, uh, you can be, you know, fornicating, you can be a drug, but if you'll be honest about it, there's hope. You've been witnessing to somebody and, you know, you talk to them and they, they're honest with you. And right away, when I'm witnessing to somebody, I'm talking to them, and they're honest, it, it, it deposits in my spirit, there's hope for salvation here. Because this person will at least be honest, but the person who is denying or, you know, uh, lying about where they are, the condition that they're in, because, uh, you know, self-deception is the worst deception. And so when you find people who won't be honest, it is very, very difficult to bring that person to Christ. Okay, and so this is why it's at its core is a foundational uh, sin that, that God says, listen, I hate this. I, this, is, this is at the root of everything because at least if you'll be honest about where you are, he can lead you to Christ. Ron, I think I saw your hand. Thank you. I remember in a sermon uh, they said that you're never more like Satan than when you lie. And when I heard that, that made so much impact on me that uh, I always remembered that. Amen. Kevin, did I see your hand? Goes back to the apple. When Eve lied, said you'll be more like God. Okay, the root of all sin uh, is right there. You know, pride mixed with just uh, lying about who Christ is and His intention. Arion, and then because um, also like in Genesis, it ruined what He created. Because the the serpent lied to Eve, and it, it it just ruined everything that God's plan was. So it was lies that pretty much ruined His creation. Amen. George and George. Man, you guys are like back-to-back -back every time this morning. This is good. I think Junior, well, you got the mic. Go ahead. Here, here's the thing, too, is the uh, Bible says those things which are done in secret shall be shouted from the rooftop. So there's no lie that can stay uncovered for long because it will be exposed, and I just soon tell the truth and have to deal with that than have to deal with, uh, oh, you mean you really did that? <laughs> Amen. Junior. Um, I think another problem that I encountered personally, like in my life, um, I was a terrible liar growing up. And then even as an adult, like there's things like when I had my conversion um, and God was healing my marriage and stuff like that, the Holy Spirit started, you know, I, I started confessing things. I started just, you know, putting stuff on the table. And, and the weird thing was, is God actually showed me things that I had been lying about for, I mean, literally, I'd been lying about him for 20-plus years, and I had repeated the lie so often that I, f I forgot that it was a lie. And I, when I spoke it, I believed it was the truth. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was like the, that lifestyle of lying, it's like it twisted, it, it just, it twisted my mind. And I, it was like I couldn't see the truth, and it took God to show me, you yeah. know. It, it, it always takes on a life of its own. 
because to cover one lie, you got to tell it typically another lie. Okay, and so they bridge together. Um, what if God was a liar? Nothing, you couldn't rely on anything. What if, what if, what if you, what if the possibility for God to lie was there? Because God makes an emphatic statement in the word of God that I am not like man, you and I, that I should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. He, lays it, he contrasts himself to us because he has, if he's going to be God, very foundational to him being God is he does not and cannot lie. Now, why is that important? What if God was a liar? What if, what if, not, you know, uh, what if even he told one lie? What do you think that, what would be the ripple effect of that? What would be uh, the fallout? What would, what would that uh, cause in us? John. Well, the whole foundation of God would be taken apart. Uh, God would be who he is, what he is, his plan for us. Everything would be dashed, gone. So the lie would be destruction of the whole thing. Amen. When I got saved... Uh, I was, uh, I've shared this at times, but I was the type of person who I would read, I would open up the Bible, and I would say, yeah, I, I believe that. No, nah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -mm, I, I don't think God. Right? And so, this is, this is part of my own salvation. When I got saved... I remember God, he took me to Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding, trust in God with all your heart, mind, soul. And so, but what he was saying to me was, you either believe everything or believe nothing. And the foundation for that was it's all true. It's all true. And what happens with people, if you just talk to people, most of the discrediting is trying to find God to be a liar. Sometimes people try to do that in their own experience. Well, when my grandmother passed away, and they'll give you an experience, and they'll kind of say, where was God? Oh, his word says, but, and they're trying to discredit God. They're trying to make God out to be a liar. They'll find these, you know, these, uh, uh, they'll look for these uh, uh, seemingly contradictions, which we know a lot of times the Bible uh, speaks in paradoxes, uh, which, things that, which are things that uh, when you look at it on the surface doesn't look like it could be true. They're contradictory in the sense. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, be a, 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 a leader, then make yourself a slave of all, you know. And so we see these seemingly contradictory concepts and statements. Uh, and so people try to find those. And what they're trying to do is make God out to be a liar because if I can't believe this, then I don't have to believe anything. But God makes a very emphatic statement. He says, I never lie. I can't lie. I am the truth. I am the truth. And so now our aim is to be able to discern and seek truth. And that is a part of understanding the word of God and reading the word of God is that we are actually seeking truth. We're following after the truth. And so we're like an investigator. We're looking, for the, we're looking to get to the root of the truth. Because sometimes, uh, I think I gave this out, Jeremiah 17, 9. Read that for me. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yes, yeah, this Who is this is foundational it? to you uh, serving God is that you realize your heart and my heart has the ability to lie to you. 
In other words, you can feel that something's right and it can be absolutely wrong. You can have an idea in your own background, the way you were raised, uh, what your mother said, how you thought, and you can be convinced that that's the truth. You can know, well, I just, how do you know? I, I talk to people all the time. Well, I just, uh, I just feel it in my heart. Uh, well, how, do, how do you know that? I'm, I'm, and there, you know, you talk to people, they're certain. I'm absolute certain. Then you open up the word of God and it says the absolute opposite. And so what happens when God contradicts your feeling? Who, who's, that, who's a liar, your feeling or God? For years, man, I uh, told people my father was a pilot. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> you ever told a lie and you don't even know, like, you just kind of thought of it on a, on a whim, on the spot, and like, now you got to live with that thing. You're like, pilot, man, what? Hey, folks start asking you, hey, man, well, can we, you know, get some tickets to, you know, can we fly? To, I was in high school, you know, you, can we, can your dad rent a jet for us? I'm like, my dad can barely rent a car. I don't know. But, you know, you just, sometimes you say these things in the moment, and they're hard to reverse. And so you begin to defend those things, and it gets uh, out of control. Uh, this is what George was alluding to. Let's, 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 um, one man said, if you always tell the truth, you don't need to have a good memory. You're like, man, what did I tell them? Did I tell them? Let's talk about for a minute the ways that we lie. Uh, one man said, if the devil is the father of lies, then he has many children. Because there's a lot of different ways uh, uh, that we practice lies or deceit. And one I want to talk about, firstly, is slander. No, slander's lying. What is slander? What is slander? What does it mean to slander somebody? Jonathan. It means like a defamation of character to, you know, like to spread negative things about them, you know, their, their character or say things about them that are bad. Amen. This is, this is when we lie with the intent of doing damage to somebody else's reputation. Pastor talked about, uh, he preached uh, Wednesday night on jealousy, and typically, uh, at the, uh, you know, the, the jealousy lies at the root of slander. That the only reason we really slander somebody most of the time is because we're jealous of them. They have something we want or something we feel we deserve, and so now we, we become, you know, we're going to assassinate their character uh, and, you know, we see this in uh, Genesis with Potiphar's wife, right? Joseph is there. Uh, he's, he's a man of character. He's trying to be upright. And now, you know, she makes the moves on Joseph. Joseph uh, rightly turns her down, runs for his life. We know that story. But now she's confronted with, you know, uh, uh, you know a situation where she can be honest or not. And because, you know, uh, uh, you know, for whatever, now she's going to slander his reputation. This guy tried to rape me. This guy tried to rape me. And it's slander, because, and this is very, very dangerous because once you slander somebody, the reality of it is it is very hard for them to regain their reputation or their character. It's very, very hard. Because even though, uh, 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 you know, they may be proving uh, innocent, uh, they, it may have come out that they didn't do it. 
it's always in the back of people's mind. Somebody gets, I, I, I preached a sermon a while ago when this guy talked about he was accused of rape. And it was absolute fabrication. This is when I talked about uh, um, labeling people. He was accused of rape. Uh, didn't do the rape. Later came out a couple years later. But he said now in all his dealings with people or women, people in his town, he was in a small town. Yeah, you know, now everybody's looking at him kind of skew. Well, he, and he's thinking, I'm innocent. I mean, it went to court. The, the girl came out later and said she lied. But there's always now that thing in the back of people's mind. And this is the danger of slandering somebody or lying about who they are, misrepresenting somebody's uh, uh, characters, because once that thing's out there, very hard, very hard. And, and, and I tell you, this is one of the things that um, uh, uh, the devil loves to do uh, with men of God more than anything, with pastors. And this is why you got to be very careful that you don't slander the man of God. I was talking to a pastor when it was in London years ago, and he was talking about what had happened to his pastor is that he had got slander. And people had talked about improprieties uh, of his pastor and all these things. Later, it came out to find it wasn't true. But now everybody in the congregation, not everybody, but a lot of people in the congregation had this tainted view of the pastor. And so, I mean, it was very hard to view, uh, receive from somebody that you got a wrong view about. He was talking about the damage and the recoil of all that had taken place in that church. And hell loves. This is why, uh, you know, if you smite the shepherd, hell knows that the sheep will scatter. And so a lot of hell's effort is to smite the shepherd. Well, what he does that many times is using one of the sheep to slander the shepherd. George Rose. reputation and stuff and it was a pretty apt illustration it talks about it was talking about like when you establish a dam on a river and I know I've said this a number of years ago when they built the Roosevelt Dam it was a river that was out of control they built the dam stone by stone until it could serve a useful purpose well it took a while but behind that dam was a body of water reservoir it was a reservoir of like in our lives when we get saved and we put down that marker and say you know what I'm gonna live for God and you start to build something for the kingdom of heaven, then what gets backed up behind that is your reputation, is your life, is a testimony of your faithfulness. And when people destroy that, it'd be like if somebody broke down Roosevelt Dam today. I'm sure a lot of Phoenix get washed away and towns along the way. But the fact is, is that you lose that and you can never get that back. And people always look at the ruin and not at the testimony that had existed before someone tried to destroy it. So it's a lot more damaging and a lot more far-reaching than people think. It is actually, it destroys people's reputation that they have carefully built over time so that they have a reservoir that testifies to their righteousness and their truthfulness and their ability to serve God and lead others. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's it, it, as, as George is uh, alluding to, it takes a long time there's a time element involved in building a testimony. It's inescapable. There's a time element involved. And so a testimony, you see somebody has a testimony or a reputation, if you will, uh, they've taken time to build that. They've, they've, they've made careful decisions. They've weighed things out and chosen the right instead of the wrong. And uh, it doesn't happen by accident. 
and to slander somebody to be able, that's, that's a powerful and a wicked tool, if you will, to be able to have in our possession. To be able to, and this is the, the power of words, and to be able in a moment to tear that down. It's very, very uh, heavy. And so, uh, Ike. And what we can do as brethren and sisters to protect against slander is this. The Bible says to know those that labor among you. If somebody spent 50 years building up a reputation and you got some jamoke coming out of left field going to say something about your pastor, I'm looking at 50 years of deposits he's made in the bank. It's as far as I'm concerned, he's Christian Donald Trump. And so you got somebody else. You got somebody else. And uh, by the way, when I say Donald Trump, I am not aligning myself with anything he says. We know what you mean, Ike. We know what you mean. But that's a good saying, disclaimer. Good disclaimer. I'm just saying as far as the money is concerned. <laughs> so you got somebody out of left field writing a rubber check on my pastor's account, and you're going to believe that rubber check instead yeah. of the billions that he got in the spiritual bank? What's up with that? Yeah, I, um, uh, I'm reminded of a time uh, Marty Carnegie was pastoring in London, and he was telling the story about how you know, some rumor got started about him, and uh, some, one of the ladies in the church began to spread this thing, and uh, the point is, uh, it was spread by somebody who had been coming to the church for like three or four months, and, and uh, Pastor Carnegie was talking about he had pastored this individual for eight to nine years, and he pulled her into the office. He said, you're going to believe that I've, you know me. I've pastored you for eight or nine years, and this person's going to be able to walk in off the street, and all of that is just like thrown away. And he was actually, he was, he was quite hurt and shocked by it, but it really hurt him to the core that you know me, I, you know, and, and, and that's uh, what you're talking about. Somewhere, uh, one of the things with slander, and I, you know, obviously as a pastor, you, you got to decipher and work through these things. First thing I always do is consider the source. I consider that person's te testimony, that person's life lived for God, that person's character. You know, before I put this other individual's character on the line, Psalms 101, verse 5. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Okay. Him that hath a high look and a okay. proud heart. That's good. That's, good. Will That's the first part. Will not suffer. <laughs> We're working on that another time. <laughs> Whoever secretly slanders. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting the term there? I mean, the terminology that used there. You know, slander always has this kind of like behind the scenes, I know something you don't know about them. Oh, yeah. See, you think that about them, but you don't know what I know. But God says, whoever does that, I'm going to cut him off. This is very serious with God. He says, I'm going to cut you off. Let's talk for a moment about tailbearing, because the Bible uses this word tailbearing a lot. What is tailbearing? I mean, it's a biblical word. Telling stories, I think I heard somebody say, okay. Say so, what? 
exaggerating, okay, uh, it kind of piggybacks uh, what I just said. But these are, uh, uh, these are, uh, and we'll kind of talk about this in the aims of gossip, but these are people who just love to tell things. Sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not. And this is how somebody leads into lying because sometimes what they're saying is true, but the problem is the issue of the heart is they don't really care if it's a fact or not. It's another word for gossip or spreading rumors. Uh, And the Bible makes a statement about people who are gossipers. I mean, nobody here, but people. And uh, it says people, it talks about people who are gossipers are typically very idle people. They're usually uh, uh, people who don't have a lot going on, the Bible says, in their own life, so they begin to talk about other people's life. 1 Timothy 5.13. Did I get that? Yes, Jonathan. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Okay. It says uh, they're idle. They're idle and they go about speaking things, gossiping. Another term says busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Listen, uh, I know this is a church, but I'll just clue you in. Every church has a few people, a handful of people, who are always in the know. They, they got the scoop, man. They're a spiritual inquirer. If there is such a thing, <laughs> like, have you noticed that? You know, Pastor, it's like there are always a few people. This was even pre, you know, social media day today. But even pre-social media, it's like there's a few people always who, uh, you know, they know, man. The one thing I learned as a pastor is I don't accept anonymous criticism. I mean, I'm always asking people, listen, either we put a face on it or we stop it right now. Because people always say, well, I, I don't want to tell you who. <laughs> oh, pastor, I, I want to tell you about this, but I don't want to tell you who they are or how I know. I just know. I said, well, if we don't want to put a face or a name to it, then we're done talking. Because all this is going to do is now we got he say, she say, we got this thing going, and what, what's going to be edified, what's good is going to come out of that kind of scenario. Questions, comments real quick. I, man, we got a lot. Okay. Rachel, I believe, and then John. Uh, then we probably have to, let's see. I'm. Previously, um, before my dad was got, got saved, he on Facebook was one of a backslider or something trying to slander Pastor Campbell. And my dad says, you better watch what you say because that'll come back on you as a curse. And my dad wasn't even saved at the time. And so mm-hmm. basically yeah. the guy yeah. who was, was slandering him was a backslider. Yeah. So. The, the, the um, again, I don't want to stress this enough, but the man of God is an easy target uh, because he stands up here and his life's lived before you and he's an easy target. Uh, this is what made Jesus a very easy target. You know, they slandered, they accused him of all kind of things uh, that weren't in fact true. 
Okay, and so, yes, uh, Ron, and then, or John, and I, I can't remember. I think John was first, and maybe Ron. And then Ike, and then we're going to close. You know, one thing, about, one thing about lying over a course of time, it destroys things. And I noticed that when I, before I got saved, it didn't matter what you did. You tried not to. It always come back. And it destroyed a lot of things in people's lives. And piggyback on slander, I think the majority of the time, people use that as a means of over time they've been offended by someone or things didn't work out for them or they use that as an excuse to slander, to do what they can, to excuse to lie yeah. because they've been hurt or they've been wounded or they feel like they've given, been given a raw deal. And that's what we have to watch out for. And I know it's, di it's difficult, but, you know, we have to base our decisions on what God says, not what we think. Yeah. Yeah, we speak out of our wounds a lot of times. And when we do that, um, it's very easy to slander. This is why, you know, any pastor knows this uh, or, or anybody who's worked with people at any level uh, of depth is that there's always more than one side. There just is. And if, and if you just run down the roll with one side of the story, you're going to make a lot of errors. And oftentimes I tell people, they bring stuff to me. I say, okay, we'll, we'll work through this, but I need to hear the other side. And, I'll, and this is why I always, if somebody brings something to me, I always give, I let them know, this is fine and what you're telling me. Based off what you're telling me, this is my answer. But I want you to know I haven't heard all the story. And I always tell people that. You know, and they'll leave my house and say, okay, if, if everything you're telling me is true, and this lines up, then here's the answer. Because people want to say, well, pastor said, they want to pigeon you into an answer, but I'm already knowing I don't have the full story. Ron. Amen. I was going to say that uh, over the years, I've watched what the uh, internet can do to a person. I've, you know, at one time I was, uh, was going to preach this sermon and I needed some information on this. And so I, w I went in there and I went into, was it Wikipedia or something like that? And, I, and it's like, oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe, I, this, is, I, oh, this is unbelievable. And my son Jared said, oh, dad, that, that's just full of lies. You can't believe any of that. that. None of that's true. And I was shocked that they had printed all this stuff about this person. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how can they get away with this? And so I've, I've learned over the years, you really have to get your facts straight yeah. about what's really true and what's not true. Yeah. And then like you but say, that's gonna too. that's going to take work. It, pardon? So that's going to take work and time yes, and Yes, work and time. And in just, to, just to read something and think, of, you know, well, this, is, this, is so, this, is, this has got to be. And so you, you have to do, like you say, but there's always two sides to a story. And, and I'm amazed at how often the media just loves to take things out of context and twist it. I remember um, um, many years ago, people in the church were complaining about a pastor, and they were writing letters and omitting all kinds of things. And I'm thinking to myself, no. and you call yourselves Christians. Quit doing that. You yeah. know, this, we're supposed to represent the truth. Hallelujah. Uh, the heart's deceitful. Um, uh, you know that this book knows more than Google? Amen. Uh, and I, I use Google. I get it. But you better cross-reference Google Amen. with the Word of God. Amen. Not with, like, another Google. Right. 
Yeah, I, I, I looked up like three Googles. You got to cross-reference Google, Wikipedia, whatever it is, with the word of God. Because this is the source of truth. I, last uh, comment, we're going to close. Okay, the, the pastor opened this Sunday school session talking about the core. And the one core conviction that we have that all these others are built upon, and that is hearing, listening, and obeying the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we have the Holy Spirit within us, but we are still free will beings. Whoever you feed the most, that's who you're going to listen to. So if you feed the spirit, you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you feed the flesh, you're going to listen to the flesh. Now, the pastor talked about we always keep our word. We always tell the truth. He's going to come up with some more. But what you need to do is you need to ask the Holy you establish a ongoing intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit such that when those things come up, like somebody coming up slandering, gossiping, you give them the stiff arm, I don't want to hear it, okay? And the Holy Spirit will tell you, you don't want to eat that. So everything that they are going to teach us in regards to core convictions, it's going to take the Holy Spirit for you to walk it, including for the rest of us that aren't pillars and the disciples, those of us that are the floor and just members, when he talks about giving, you are not going to be able to walk into tithes, first fruits, and offering without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the core conviction upon which everything else is built. Amen. He leads you to truth, as I stated. Uh, this is core. Uh, we're talking about core. And so the very foundational is uh, truth. It leads you. He leads you uh, to truth. Amen. That's all we got. That's all we got time for this morning. God bless you. Amen. We'll get started shortly. Uh,